on the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast. It's the 18th of December, 2023. This is probably the last podcast that we're going to do together. That isn't an interview podcast, Michael, for, for the year. So we're going to start off with a good one. A, this is, has been a good year. It's been a it's been a big year for golf. There's been a lot going on. Obviously, we've introduced Michael into the Bogeyman this year, and and that's been that's been a headline all in itself. But it's been a, it's been a big year. Um, sorry about that. It's been a big year all in itself. But we're going to do the same thing that we do every year now. We're going to go through the Bogeyman Awards. We have a number of categories. We asked you guys for a couple of categories. We came back, or a few of you came back with comeback of the year. We have men's golfer, women's golfer, rookie, tournament villain. Come back of the year now, men's amateur and women's amateur. And as we said in the podcast last week, men's women's women's amateur was voted for by you. Uh, so all of the friends of the pod that we've had on, there's no bias in this at all. We we had no say in who who won those awards, although people might think that we did. Let's get into it, Michael. Men's golfer of the year. Like we probably love if you're looking at who won the majors. We were talking about this, the four majors. You've but gone. the best golfers of the year that side didn't win the majors like Brooks Koepka did very well in the majors yeah. um Wyndham Clark had a good year by all accounts I think he's probably one of the top 10 favorites to actually win the player of the year on the PGA Tour which you know fair play that's that's good for him but Brian Harmon didn't like he just like, he had a very one very good week and then one decent week at the Ryder Cup but not enough to be one of the best players of the year yeah, like I think th- th- there's probably a top three. Um, and I think in that top three, I, I would say Hovland, your buddy Hovland has to be in the top three. My boy. Um, I'd say John Ram has to be in there. Um, and probably Scheffler, re- realistically, uh, have to be in the, kind of the top three. But I would say that I'm going to go with my uh, player of the year is going to be John Ram. And the reason being, it's actually because I feel one, he won the Masters, uh, but two, Hovland didn't break his major duck. And with Scheffler, I just think the collapse he had and only winning two or three and then his absolute diabolical Ryder Cup, I, you know, pulls him out of, for me, being player of the year. So I think... Probably was it the last times John Ram would could be the PGA Tour Player of the Year or the 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 best player of the year? Yeah, I, I think I think John Ram winning the Masters. I think it feels it was so long ago because we had there was so much has gone on since. Yeah, uh, I think we've kind of forgotten he won the Masters and winning the Masters for me is still the biggest major. Uh, for me, it's bigger than the Open. Um, and yeah, I think I think John Ram for me is definitely I think Men's Player of the Year. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So. <clears throat> I'm going to go through some of just each of the three guys because I agree there's there were three guys in the running for this John Ram, Victor Hovland and Scotty Scheffler um, John Ram led the PGA Tour with four wins this year including two signature events the Sunday Tournament to Champions and the Genesis Invitational he also like I said he won the Masters so that's kind of it's kind of like five wins realistically it is it is and like the Masters it's just the Masters is bigger than the PGA it's bigger than the US Open and then like the only thing that comes goes is the Open but I still think the Masters tops up yeah so that's that's fair uh he also then made 18 out of 20 cuts 10 top 10 finishes and was third in scoring average this season with 69.037 so like just statistically even he's just one of the top three players of the year uh, I'm going to make the case more for Victor Hovland. I agree with you, Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, he did very well. He played 23 times, won twice, defended his Phoenix Open of, uh, title, which is a signature event, and won his first Players' Championship. So he had two wins this year. Both of them were signature events, but I, d- I don't know necessarily how much I'm giving, how much extra weight I'm putting on a signature event over a regular tour event yeah, for, for this type of thing anyway, you know? Yeah. 
Um, Victor Hovland won three times. This has kind of been his, his real big breakout season. Again, no major, as you, as you mentioned, but he did win the more, Memorial. He won the BMW Championship and the Tour Championship. As we said, he won BMW and Tour Championship back-to-back. And for me, he was the MVP of the Ryder Cup. So he he like he did he had a great Ryder Cup and I think you know, he led from the front and he you know he he I yeah I think everything he kind of he kind of touched this year was was class and fixing his his short game problems was big yeah um, like he, he played he played twenty three events this year he made the cut in all of them which like that's that's impressive to play more events and then on the PGA Tour than than John Ram and to make the cut in all of them. In nine of those events, he finished top 10 and he was actually fourth in scoring average. So just a little bit worse than John Ram coming in at 69.123. So, you know, there's, there's that there. I think if you'd give, if you'd give an extra win to John Ram for winning the Masters, you probably have to give an extra win to Hovind for being the player he was for the Ryder Cup. So even then, I, th- I still think it's a five to four win for John Ram. And I agree with you there. John Ram's probably the player of the year. I, I think the Masters pips it. I mean, if we if we were if we we're I think without the Masters, I would probably go with Hovland. Um, but I think um, I just I just think you know Rom's the heavyweight. I think we spoke of this last week when we talked about him going to live. If 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 live had John Ram or Hovland, that they were like out of the out of the the players live want, you'd put Rory, John Ram, and Hovland right now as the heavyweights in the in in the game. To be yeah, honest, um, absolutely. And, so I think that's where we're kind of looking at. So I think knowing that we said that, that this was a massive turning point that John Ram was going to live shows you how big a player he is, how, how good he is. Um, and as Tiger says, only really uh, So moving on then to the women's golfer of the year. Uh, for me, honestly, there's only really one contender for this. Uh, Lilia Vu, she won two majors. She won the first major of the year, the Chevron Championship, and then she won the AIG Women's Open. Um, she also so Lilia Vu not only got her very first win this year, which was the Annika, which was in like November of 2022, I guess, so mm-hmm. that season, but then she then followed it up with her first major of the year and then followed up with her second major of her career on the same year. Um, she with that also then kind of just earned her way into the uh US Solheim Cup team. Admittedly, she had a shocker when it came to the Solheim Cup, her record was one, three, and zero. Uh, she just won her singles match. She lost the other three games that she played, which uh, which is tough. You know, that's that's not good for for her for her first time out. But it came all the way down to the last tournament of the year from the women's side from the race of CME Globe. The the women's golf of the year is actually just not a subjective thing at all on the LPGA tour. It's completely points and merit based, uh, and it came up it came up between her and Celine Boudier, who also won uh won a major won four times this season so she was giving it a good run but Lilia just had a better final tournament of the year at the CME championship and so she won it but just from a consistency side and then also to win two majors in in any year I don't think you could you could win two majors a year and and not be crowned the player of the year yeah you pick up two majors that 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 kind of it's that there's your answer. Like, um, she was phenomenal as well. Um, and like you got to see her live a bit as well. And you, when you were, we we were chatting about it. You just said that she's just so good. Um, and like when she was when she won, you told me like it didn't surprise you at all that she was winning because you felt when you saw her that that was gonna she was gonna kick off and and do something special soon. So yeah, it was good. Like her her wins were two very very different wins. She won the Chevron with uh, after a playoff. Um, and then I guess if you remember back to the AIG Women's Open, um, that Charlie Hall was kind of the big fan favorite for that tournament, and, and it obviously it was like it was like a home tournament for her because the Open was actually just just down the road from Walton Heath, just down the road from where she when Charlie Hall lives. So there were proper crowds there, and everyone was kind of disappointed with how Lilia Vu on the last day just kind of ran away with it because Charlie just didn't didn't turn up. So two very different ways to win her majors, but like look fair play um but yeah they didn't get it done when it came to song Cup. but lilia vu women's golf for the year this one now i think is it's kind of a bit of a crowning if we're going if we're going to be completely honest rookie of the year i had my doubts about him before i'd seen him hit a golf ball i i put my hands up there and i i absolutely say i i had my hands up and yeah i was incorrect on that one but uh ludwig aberg or Lud- ludwig aber or whatever you want to call him we all know who you're talking about he is the rookie of the year just because he turned professional in June. 
played what like one PGA Tour event and then another two DP World Tour events. One on a second DP World Tour start in Switzerland, got picked to play the Ryder Cup, played alongside Victor Hovland and was just like a force. And then when goes on and and wins on the PGA Tour a few weeks later, a few months later, um, just yeah, it's it's the rookie of the year is going to basically be the Ludwig Eberg of the year award. Yeah, like he's he's an animal. I think he like hopefully we haven't even seen the the top of the, the 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 little bit of the iceberg that how good he could be. I know like Luke Donald was adamant how good he was and he was generational talent and all that sort of stuff. So I think like it was probably the as you said, the worst kept secret who's going to be rookie of the year was going to be Ludwig. But like you couldn't ask for a better year. Like everything he did, he he won everything you can't he, even call it a year. Because it's December, you're a professional in June. Like you can't call it a year either, which is which makes it even more impressive. And I also think it was lovely because it was like, oh, every time someone had mentioned him, they were like, oh no, we'll wait till he he does this. Oh, he's done that. Oh, wait, he wins deep water. Okay, he did that. No, just actually wins speech. Okay, no, he did that. Oh, it doesn't matter. He gets picked on the radio. Oh, wait, no, he got picked on the radio. So it was like every time someone was going, yeah, but it was like a week or two later, three weeks later, he just answered that. Yeah, he followed it up so impressively. Exactly, and and he just looks so cool and so calm. Um, he's a, yeah, he's already uh, thirty two in the OWGR. Like he's he's gone up very very quickly in terms of just his performance. And I think you can make what you want of the OWGR rankings, but look, you're you're thirty second in the world after about eight months, seven months being a professional golfer. You're <laughs> you're you're doing something right. A couple of honorable mentions, though. To be fair, uh, our very own the kid, Tom McKibben. Got his uh got his debut win or his maiden win on the DP World Tour at the Porsche European Open. Uh, Dan Brown, another friend of the podcast, he got his win at the uh, ISPS Handel Open Gal Gorm, and then Rio Hisatsune, um, he actually won the DP World Tours, um, what's it called the Varden the Henry Cotton, uh, Rookie of the Year award. Um, he he won the official Rookie of the Year award, but not the Bullyman Rookie of the Year award. I mean, like, look, it's a, who, who's Rookie of the of Year is more prestigious. Yeah, and he's, he's been nominated and he should be very proud of, proud, proud of himself just to be nominated in, in this bracket, you know, and like he can, he can work on his oh, hard luck face, but uh, he just, just, didn't, just doesn't quite tip uh, a bear. No, but yeah, he, so in fairness to Rio, um, I'm not going to say his surname anymore because this is way too hard for me to say. He okay. had, how many he had? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight top 10 finishes on the, on the DP World Tour this year. He won the Kazoo French Open, which to be fair, first year getting a win. You can't really ask for much more than that. His stroke average is 69.91 finished in the top 12 in the DP World Tour when it comes to stroke average. He finished 18th overall in the DP World Tour Championship and then 17th in the race to Dubai. And so that finish for him actually won him the very last, like the 10th of the 10 uh, PGA Tour cards for the 2024-2025 season. So fair play to him in terms of your very first year as a professional golfer or on the DP World Tour, you earn a PGA Tour card by finishing the top 10 of the eligible spots. Like that's that's impressive in his own right and well done to him but he's he's a close tied for second after Ludwig Eberg yeah and just with the other lads like with McKibben we go back as a while ago now we spoke about it but his his shot into 18 um when he hit that that bomb into the green when it was just like an unbelievable shot of someone so young chasing your first win to have the confidence and the ability to go I'm going to do this when when the pressure's on like that really stood out to me mm-hmm. when that happened. And then Dan Brown followed him around um, up in Galgorm and like he just smashes the ball. Like it's just, he's a lovely golfer to watch up close because uh, like he just doesn't hold back and he just absolutely smokes it. So uh, yeah, I was delighted um, those two lads got, a, got, got the win in their first year on. Yeah, so I think if you haven't listened to the chat that we had with Dan Brown, uh, it's it's an interesting chat. He spoke about how kind of when he first turned professional, was playing on the Euro Pro, playing some mini tours. He um he was struggling a little bit in terms of he also just was very honest about the fact that he wasn't really working hard enough to be a professional golfer or as a professional golfer, um and struggled a little bit with that. But then also how um 
how relaxed he is. Like he's a very, very laid back guy. He doesn't seem to let too much get to him or let too much kind of um, wobble him at all because he he was talking about how when you were following him in the final round, he was just kind of doing his own thing and just playing his own game and looked like he was having a lot of fun out there. So he's a he's a very relaxed guy, a very laid back guy, but it, it was a good chat. I think uh, if you haven't listened to that podcast, listen, listen into that one. Tournament of the year then. For me, there's there's one that kind of just stands out above the rest, but uh, you disagree. Who's who's your who's your nominee for the tournament of the year? I think I think I, I know where you're going to go with yours, so I'm going to go a little bit of a, a curveball. But my favorite one was the Canadian Open for a couple of reasons. Um, we talk about it, the the ice rink hole they have, where they have the the borders around it on the par three. Yeah, but a little bit different coming down into a playoff where uh, Nick Taylor with a seventy. 72 73 foot put where like you're looking at going just he's going to struggle to two put this drains it to win it over tommy fleetwood you've got um a canadian winning the canadian open for is it the first time or first time in donkey's years whatever yeah. also got i get tommy fleetwood an absolute fan favorite going to another playoff um Not and then done. just like i done, but also like you know you're getting getting the drama of it you know and then you've got Adam Hadwin and uh, Hadwin coming on to celebrate and getting absolutely missile spear tackled by security because they didn't think they thought he was just some fan running on, and it was just for me the tournament kind of had a bit of everything. Um, and I also liked the fact that some people didn't like certain things about it and they didn't like whatever. I just thought from uh from sitting watching, I watched the whole thing and we spoke about it. But I just thought. If this is what every golf tournament needs to be, it needs to mean something. It needs, you know, there has to has to be drama. There has to, like the playoff within, and then there was the celebration. I just I love that tournament, um, and I also think the majors. I'm gonna I'm gonna put negative that they were a bit of a letdown this year. I think you know I think the Open and the U.S. Open and they were just a bit meh. You know, there was you know they're definitely not ones I if if I'm watching Sky Sports over Christmas and they do a review of some of the majors, I'm not watching them. I generally I'll go back and I'll, I'll watch something else. I'll watch a review of something else. But it was just one of those things. Um, That's I, fair. I I think John Ram might be an exception to that. I think the way he went about and the way he won the Masters was incredibly impressive. But yeah, Wyndham Clark was. Like the way he went out and won it was 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 good to watch and it was impressive, but not necessarily a memorable winner by any chance. Especially when you had Rory there in the mix, like Rory trying to chase him down but not quite getting it done at the U.S. Open, and then just the manner at which Brian Harmon won the Open Championship. It was a very impressive display of golf for golfers, absolutely, but just from like an entertainment or dramatic product, um, it just didn't have it for me. Yeah, I just, they're just a bit flat. Like, they're not ones where, like, you know, he was kind of like, oh, it's over, okay? Normally, like, I, I love that feeling of the minute it's over, you just want to, like, straight away keep talking about it and this and that. I can't believe that happened. And, you know, I think, the as you said, you opened like, Rogers just destroyed that and won it. And I just felt a bit deflated after him. Um, so, yeah, more my tournament is the Canadian Open. Um, another one, has Rory won the Canadian? Yes, yes. Well, he ticked that one off, but he needs to get well, the rest. Won it twice. Well, he shouldn't play in it then. Next one he needs to go play the uh, the Mauritius Open or Mauritius something. Open. That yeah. That's where he needs to go. There's collect those opens, be become the Open champion. Um, oh. my my nominee for a tournament of the year is the Ryder Cup. Just the the drama that was around it. Just how contentious it was with all the live players being in there or like the live player being in there. Um, the fact that there's so much tension around. Luke Donald coming in, coming in very late as captain and how together the European team was, how well they performed, the drama of it all, the spectacle, and then just also like the 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 hat gate and the drama that came about on the Saturday night with like Rory having to go at Patrick Cantlay's caddy and just all the drama for me. And then also the European t- team winning it and winning the Ryder Cup back. Um, There's nothing like the Ryder Cup for me. I think any year that there was a Ryder Cup, yeah, the best tournament of the year is going to be the 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 Ryder Cup for me, to be honest. What I will do as a concession, right? Here's here's what I here's where I can meet you on a middle ground. Tournament of the year is the Ryder Cup, right? Okay. Moment of the year is the tackle. Is Adam Hadwin getting tackled? Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. For drama moment of the year was the 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 tackle. And what I love about it is, is like 
it was after the tournament. Like, I think I WhatsApped you a video of it. And then, like, two hours later, you watched, WhatsApped me another video from a different angle. And there was all these different angles of the tackle, you know, and it was just class. Um, yeah, like, the Ryder Cup drama-wise, I think, as you said, Luke, Luke Donald coming in, obviously being a brilliant captain, it blew on the board on the first day, shocked everyone. And it was like, oh. And then it was like, it's actually yeah you know what's going to happen here and then the kind of yeah. the rumors in the in the american team room like all that drama it was like it, brilliant i do i will give you that um i loved all the drama of it um rory getting out of his car you know and being annoyed and a liar it was it was uh, definitely I, I, I will concede to your turn of the year definitely yeah, that's fine. And so then moment of the year is Adam Hadwin getting absolutely spear tackled into the 18th green for the security. People probably didn't, some people didn't know what Adam Hadwin didn't do nothing about him. Now he's on the map. That tackle boosted his sponsorship deals, I'd say. That man <laughs> should be on the pip. He should be making millions from that moment. Yeah. Um, villain of the year. So last year, the villain of the year was a tied one between um pj tour and liz so greg norman and and um jay monin so i guess depending upon what, which side of the aisle you fell on you would see that respective person as your villain the live pj tour drama this year has been a little bit more muted there hasn't been as much kind of fireworks or you know shit talk between the two two kind of different camps so i don't think we can really go for that one again um also Liv's kind of it's kind of been enjoyable to watch you know yeah. it's not yeah, the I worst mean- thing also, at the moment, you could argue that Jay Monin's looking not looking as great because his players are obsessed with the way the PJ is running. No one's really giving out about Liv and Greg Norman because it seems that Greg Norman's just doing whatever the players want, yeah. <laughs> and the PJ Tour doesn't look as great now because the players are upset about it. If we're you know looking at that, very very true. So. A couple of couple of nominations, I guess, from from my side for villain of the year. Um, we spoke about it in the drama that came came about with the Ryder Cup, Patrick Cantlay and the Hatgate thing, and just not wanting to like wanting to be paid, and then as a protest or not a protest, whatever way you want to look at it, deciding to not wear the USA hat. Um, for me, that kind of encapsulates the villain, the villainy of the Ryder Cup, because especially when John Ram, the likes of the guys, were like. I don't play the Ryder Cup for money. You know, I play it for my love of love of golf and team golf and love of country and continent. So uh, for me, Patrick Handley kind of has the uh, the mantle of, of uh, villain of the year, but I, I know you have a nomination that you think probably could win it. Well, well first of all, Patrick Handley, I think the, the, the biggest thing is I think the American side would even not be a fan of him because they feel they let, he let down his teammates. He let down America. He was too preoccupied with his own personal shit you know, and didn't put that aside for the team. And that was the kind of argument for like, well, was Brooks was Brooks a good team player? Should he be in the team? Oh, yeah, he's obviously one of the great best golfers. He won a major, but is yeah. he a team player? Patrick Cantley was just like, I don't really care. And then that whole sideshow then happened with the Ryder Cup where no one was talking about, we were talking about how bad the Americans were, but it was all about, oh, there's a problem with the team room. There's no chemistry. And it just made Europe just look a million times better. So you could argue that. But I also think like, there's a case for Joe LaCava as a villain. I get like, that. Yeah. You know, like I I I know Rory is sensitive and he can be a little moany and a little bit of a crybaby. And I'm like no problem with it. But I respect Rory so much for having a go at Joe LaCava and the 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 fight and them pushing to get out of the way in my line of my put. You know, to me, and I said this to you, like I love the whole thing. I think if they got rid of that sort of stuff, it would actually take less, take take away from the Ryder Cup. I think you need that little bit of argy bargy at times yeah. and sh- change it out of the car and pull and Rory away. But Joe LaCava, as a caddy, who are you getting involved for? Get involved in the players. Just back in your box, mate. Right? I know there's, let's forget there was an apology afterwards and they were all happy friends afterwards, but forget that because at that time, I mean, you could argue Joe LaCava, like even looking back on it and waving his hat and Rory's face and stuff. It definitely, he definitely could be the villain. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you on that one because I think the the Patrick Cantlay stuff was was fine in itself. And I think that would have it would have just been the fans waving their hats and taunting from the from the outside the ropes. But the fact that Lacava brought it inside and brought it to the 18th green and brought it inside the ropes, yeah, I'll I'll accept that. Joe Lacava, villain of the year. That's uh. Not a not a good look for Tiger's former caddy, but there you go. Having said that, I'd love like 
if it had, say, let's say Shane's caddy had got involved, I would have been defending Shane's caddy and said, if he did it to, it was against, you know, Shuffler, I'd be happy to, I'd be like, of course, Shane's caddy can do that, blah, blah, blah. But it was just, there was that, us be there, America, Europe, it was that thing. I just thought it was, I thought the whole thing was brilliant. And I loved the aftermath and Shane dragging Rory back and you calm down, you calm down. And Rory giving the finger, giving him going, point his finger at him going, nah, it's not acceptable, blah, blah, blah. I just, I loved the whole thing. Yeah, I think like I think golf needs more of that. It needs more villainy and it needs more argy bargy between players because this whole thing of everyone being a class act is absolute bullshit because people definitely don't like each other. There's 150 guys in the field. There are definitely guys that actively don't look to spend time with one another and not not to like WWE it up, but like you know, yeah. play play on the fact that like Liverpool were playing Manchester United in the weekend. Clearly, Liverpool fans don't get on very well with Manchester United fans during that match itself. Um, but then you park it after that, and you're just like, "There you go. That's just that's competitive sport." Tiger v Phil, Bryson v Brooks. We loved it all. Like I guarantee you, there was no one, no one. Even if you're watching live now, and I said to you, "But it is the the team final is on. It's Brooks's team versus Bryson's team." You'd be like, oh, I, might, "I might watch that." Yeah, hundred percent. Like you would, because you're going, oh, there could be fireworks there. And that, that, that's what you want, you know. Sergio Tiger, you know, you go well, pair them against you the Northern Cup, see what happens there. Like we, like you have to, otherwise, because everything's got to mean more. Because I like, guess even when you and I, like when you and I are playing that game, no, Connor is like, it got one where you went quiet because I was like, you really don't want me to beat you. Like it, like you were, I know, I know when you go quiet, you got real competitive and you were reading a few more puts and I was like, hey, Johnny's real when I lose this. So that made me concentrate that a little bit more. <laughs> you didn't care. There would be no point. Like we didn't care about losing each other. What's the point? Yeah, you know, so absolutely. I I, I, I I think need to ham they need to bring a little bit more of a rivalry rivalry into it. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just even from like the entertainment perspective, just it's far more fun for us to watch. Oh, massively. Yeah. So Joe Lacava, villain of the year. Congratulations. Comeback of the year. So this one's um there's a couple of guys in for this. Obviously, it's been a big year for a lot of rookies, a lot of a lot of young guys have gone come out in PGA Tour and DP World Tour and, and won. But there's also been a little bit of a resurgence. And the two main guys, uh, so you're one you're on one you're on Team Fowler, uh, I'm, I'm on Team Jason Day. I love them both. Yeah. Like a big Jason Day and a big Fowler fan. Like my, my son has calls him Tricky Ricky and has an orange polo. So we watched this together and he was chuffed when Fowler won. Uh make your case for Ricky Fowler because like I'm gonna make mine for, for okay. uh, Jason Fowler. Day. First of all, he what about Fowler is he brought a new sort of thing to golf, the big hats, the orange, like he, he, he we talk about wanting people to come in and change golf just a little bit and bring it into, instead of being old and stuffy, he did that. So he was always kind of a fan favorite, even when he did that music video, which I think is hilarious. You know, it's just, it was just something different. But with, with regard to him, like, he had he had dropped to 185 in the world. Now, he was over four at one stage. And everyone was like, oh, he's going to win a major. So to get into 185, it, like, was very low. He's back to 23 now. He had a T5 at the US Open and then he won the Rocket Mortgage Classic in a playoff with like what 24, 25 under or something like that. 24, yeah. That's a four-year drought he had without a win. And I think you said it to me on the podcast. It was like you didn't realize how much it meant to him until he sunk the putt and his reaction where he exhaled and leaned on his putter. And you even said to me, You're like, I, I'm in with him. I love that he was like just that reaction was that like the relief of having a win and being like I'm back and like he went back to Butch and stuff went back to his old stuff, um and like at, at his height he was in the Ryder Cup and I think to be in the Ryder Cup and to be in the top five and be chasing stuff and obviously like his mates he's mates with JT he's mates with Spieth to drop completely out of that where I'm not saying stupid but like they were teeing off at, a, at the opposite end of the tea times to him. So he wasn't even seeing them because he was warming up on his own. Not only wasn't even in some of the majors, so he wasn't even hanging out with them. He wasn't in the big events. So I think his comebacks, he was completely outside of everything of his buddies, of where he was. Um, 
And I think to get back into that, I'm not saying he's back and he's going to be the Ryder Cup next year or next year, or whatever. But I'm just saying to go from 185 back to four, back in the big events, back to being a player that kids are looking at and they want to watch play. So for me, as a comeback with Fowler, I'm all in on his um his his, his comeback train. That's interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I think our stories are very similar and our arguments for the two guys are very, very similar. Um, Jason Day, right? So he, the last time he won before this season, he won the AT&T Byron Nelson Championship this year in uh, in May. It's been, it was 2018 before he won his last tournament. Now he's also gone off and he won that Grant Thornton Invitational LPGA uh, PGA Tour kind of fun thing. It was him and uh, Lady Echo were, were teamed together and they won that. But that was no counting the tournament. That doesn't, you don't get any points for that. My reasoning for Jason Day having the best comeback this year is he was former world number one. You know, he was the best of the best. He, his short game when he was at his best was better than what we say Shane Larry's is. You know, everyone talks about Shane Larry's short game has been just incredible. His was his was better than that. Like he had the ability to just chip in and make puts from anywhere in the world, as well as it's been really, really consistent. There's a point there where he was just unbeatable. He dropped down to 195th. That was the lowest he dropped down to. And I think he he had he kind of two obstacles to overcome. He had the loss of his game, absolutely. But he had a lot of medical and, and health issues. He had the vertigo, but then he also had that severe, severe back problem where he had to get a number of surgeries on his back. Not quite tiger level of, of surgeries, but um, for, for me, just the fact that he had to get over medical issues as well as uh, losing his game and play, try and play a very different kind of game um that for me is why he 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 should be winner of the comeback of the year yeah like i, I love the story of jason dave how he became with the golf and how his family decided to his sister decided they wouldn't go to college just so he could for money and stuff and you know like i love that whole story as well you're gonna bring both me into saying day aren't you and making me because of all this yeah um so I love Jason Day as well. And I got, I don't know if this is kind of off topic, but have you ever seen the videos of when Tiger uh, and the lads are in the, the tailor-made thing and Jason Day is just asking, was asking a question about chipping. And yeah. whatever. This is answer. Jason Day goes, do you ever answer questions? Do you ever answer questions like a normal human being? <laughs> it's just, it's so good. Uh, listen, I'll, okay. I'll give you Jason Day insofar as he's got back to 19 in the world and found his 23. How about that? The jump in ranks is ranking is bigger. So Day is from 195th to 19th and Fowler was 185 to 23rd. So I'll give you a comeback just on the rankings and stats. I'll take well, that. Look the emotional win. We'll go on stats. And then, so these next two awards were voted for by by you guys. We had no say in this, mainly because we've obviously interviewed a lot of these players. We we know a good few of them very well. Uh, so just to not offend anyone, we decided to just pass that responsibility off to you guys. Some of us have beaten some of them in matches on YouTube as well. Just want to put that on the record. Okay, yeah. Careful <laughs> now. You're very confident. She's back in the country. <laughs> Uh, men's amateur of the year. I have, I have a new, I have a new putter though. So okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so men's amateur of the year, uh, as if it was going to be anyone else, it was Alex McGuire. So Alex McGuire, who is also worth saying, is twenty twenty is twenty two years of age. So he's still still a pup. Uh, he became the first player since Ramy Burns uh, to retain the East of Ireland Amateur Championship. Uh, at Baltre, he went on to win the St. Andrews Lynx Trophy at St. Andrews the following week. He reached the quarterfinals of the Amateur Championship at Hillside and won the first ORNA Open Amateur Series, earning him a place at the 151st Open at Royal Liverpool. That then ultimately also earned him a spot at the Walker Cup team back in St. Andrews in September. Um, the man had an incredible year. Now, obviously, the Walker Cup team, the European team, did not the, the Great British and Irish team did not win the Walker Cup, but um, Alex McGuire, Alex McGuire was just the the best golfer of the year. I think he was not necessarily head and shoulders above everyone else, but he was just consistently the the best this season. A couple other honourable mentions, I think, from that you got to say, Colm Campbell, who won the South of Ireland, he he had a brilliant year. A very good win, a very good win down Lynch as well in the way manner he did it as well, which is quite impressive. Uh, Sean Keeling had a had a brilliant year as well. He got a lot of votes. He was in kind of this in second or third place, um, third place actually. 
Matt McLean also was up there, um, as well as Liam Nolan and Rob Moran. Uh, Max Kennedy, I think it's also worth giving a shout out to him from our side personally. He had a very, very good collegiate year over in the States. He also, also obviously played um, in the live qualifying event, made through to the second round. Moving on to the women's amateur of the year. Uh, again, I think this will come as no major surprise. But Sarah Byrne uh, is the voted for by you, the Women's Amateur Golfer of the Year from the Bogeyman. This is the second time. She's also 22 years of age. So she can add this win to the list of accolades that she's already won this year. So she picked up her second AIG Women's uh, Irish. She picked up her second AIG Irish Women's Close title. She won in a one-up win over Beth Coulter at Connemara. Uh, she did that just a couple of weeks after talking to us and saying that that would be the best way for her to qualify for the KPMG Women's Irish Open. She then obviously won the close, earned her place in the Women's Irish Open. She was the low amateur at that tournament, so she had a very, very good showing there. You backed her to win the, the low am, I might add. Uh, congratulations to you. She then made back-to-back -back cuts on the LET Access Tour, as, win as well as winning twice over in the States for the University of Miami. Um, yeah, she's just, all she did was just win there from about August to, to October, November. So she's just an absolute baller. Like, yeah. like when you look at someone who's, who's a golfer, like, you know, like you, you just, well, you could just watch her and go, she's just so good. And, uh, as you say, like she, you said before, she smashes the ball, um, and just got a bit of a killer instinct in her at the moment. So hopefully that long, long with that continue. Yeah. Uh, we have to also give a, of a shout out to Anya Donegan who played in the uh US Women's Open at Pebbles, Pebble Beach. It stole the hearts, stole the hearts and minds of all of America. The Irish girl over taking the US Open by storm. She hate that we said that, but uh oh, definitely unbelievable story. And I think um genuinely people all around America really kind of stood up and really, really got fell in love with this the story of the Irish uh, women's amateur coming over to play. Yeah, so honorable mention to herself. Um, that's it. That's the awards. So congratulations to all of our winners. Commiserations to the people that didn't quite win or didn't quite didn't didn't quite get it done. But you know, there's always next year. <laughs> um, moving on, moving on. Um, Christmas is fast approaching, but before before I kind of get to the end of the year, we we take a bit of a break as well. I went over to Sligo for for a day i was on my way to Donegal for a couple of days for a shoot and so i decided to pop in sligo i played Strandhill golf club and um i sent you a few photos on the on the day as well as like, afterwards i just say like I, I don't know much about Strandhill, but like the photos you sent just the place looks incredible and i was so jealous looking through the photos you sent me of how amazing the place looked <clears throat> well so Strandhill was one of those courses that we when we had kevin markham on did uh mentioned as a as a as a hidden gem you know whether you like that phrase or not that's that's a course that we kind of had given that title to and it for me it just doubles down on it because like the course is beautiful admittedly we got it on, on an incredible day like it was we were there mid-december for filming it was flat calm there was like no wind at all and it was lovely and sunny no rain it was just honestly the perfect conditions ideal conditions for playing a bit of links golf course isn't long like it's it's not long by any means it's par 70 6200 yards but like a lot of older links golf courses like this is this is a fairly old very old links golf course in ireland the weather and the conditions are like a, you know it's biggest defense if, if the wind's blowing if the wind's blowing in a certain direction a very short par four becomes a very long par four because you have to hit driver low iron just because you know you're on the west coast of ireland it's blown again I played with the the head pro there, uh, Xavier Medas, who's a Frenchman who learned his trade, played a little bit of golf over in France, but came over here in Erasmus in college and basically just hasn't left, <laughs> which is which is an amazing story. I love that. Um, so he showed me the, the, the lines off the tee, you know, approaches into greens, give me numbers and everything, which really helped a lot. It's the kind of golf course where you do, I, I really do think that you need to have played it once or twice to kind of get get a handle on the golf course and how it plays because I absolutely I would have put myself into some horrendous positions off the tee if I wasn't playing with someone that knew where we were going and that was a big help um you definitely like it's the kind of course where you can play to a number on a lot of the holes so if you like hitting like a 120 130 yard shot repeatedly 
it's short enough course or at least it was playing short enough that day that you can play to that number off of a lot of holes like the seventh hole it's a it's not necessarily drivable but during the summer it, it absolutely is drivable um we played to we hit, i hit three wood and gave off the tee and gave myself 110 yards in and you could do that on i'd say seven or eight of the holes around the golf course you could play to a number and give yourself a nice a nice yardage in um it's which makes it a lot of fun you know if you're it's it's not the kind of course where if you're really struggling off the tee or if you're struggling with a part of the game that it'll punish you now like like a lot of links golf courses there are beaches and there are plenty of dunes and there's lots of lots of long grass to to hurt you if you go very very wild but in, in, in on a lot of the holes if you're going to miss you can miss big and you're probably on another fairway and you'll be okay kind of like yeah. st anne's or somewhere like that nice um the, like the first of like the kind of standout holes for me is the par four fourth short enough par four 354 yards but it's it's all uphill so although it's 354 yards it probably you probably add another like 20 yards 30 yards onto that so again still not the longest of of par fours by any strange stretch but it hugs all, all along its left side uh colina moore beach which is like it, it all leads up to like an elevated very very narrow green um so it's i don't know necessarily how to describe it there's a picture there on the on the running order you can see it here there's a big drop off just short of the green that where you where the drop off was there were two bunkers so a lot of the older members and the membership admittedly is is quite old but a lot of the older members couldn't quite get it up and so it hit off the bank and then just roll into the bunker. Um, and so Xavier was saying that like guys rounds were over by before the 50. And that was like a really, really that was a serious problem because could you imagine going out playing golf and on the fourth hole having like an eight or nine because you just can't get the golf ball out of the bunker because you're so low down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a bit of a problem for them. So Ali McIntosh has come in and he's done a load of work since about 2015, 2016 on the golf course, adding new bunkers in, moving new bunker, moving bunkers to different places and remo removing them entirely, as well as building some new green, green complexes. For the video that we played, um, the green complexes aren't fully um, bed in yet, but we got to play off of those tees uh, and they're actually just, they're really, really nice. It's, it's, it's a really, really nice tree. It's a good, it's a good, good course to play. So then the fourth hole there has a really narrow green uh, with the drop off short and a bank long. So if you're lucky, you can play it off the bank and bounce it back in. But what's, that's what Xavier tried to do and didn't just that this did not happen for him at all. Um, if you get stuck in the bank, then you're stuck in long grass and heather and it's brutal. But like I said, it's not the longest hole in the world. I hit three iron, nine iron, two put it from a par. And that was like, again, you can play it safe and you can just play, lay back a little bit and give yourself yeah. a good number in. I got, that's always what we say about the sort of links, the good links courses. It just makes you think, makes you think of, you know, what to hit, where to play. And just like, instead of just smashing driver, smashing short iron. And, you know, I think it's, it's the ones that make you think are the best. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a stunning hole. I'd say it's, it's, it's a really, really nice hole. And then it kind of brings you on to, the fifth so fifth all long par five elevated greens built into so like, like the whole kind of visual fulcrum point of, of this golf course is this big massive dune and it like everything kind of works its way around that or from like the fourth hole all the way through to like the seventh tee all the holes all kind of go around this just massive massive dune so the fifth tee box is built into the dune there and so it's a dog leg left but like the fairway is literally just all mounds and bumps and humps and hollows. It's absolutely wild. Like it's, it's insane. And the, they're not small mounds by any means either. Like there's a photo that we posted to, um, to our Instagram and it's me hitting a chip shot into a green and you can yeah. see the mound behind me. The mound's taller than me. Like these mounds are massive and that's just so much fun to, to play and to, and to, to see. Cause you see, again, like we, we play a lot of parkland golf. We don't see a lot of that. Um, yeah. and that was just that was a really really nice different type of hole but it's one of their kind of standout holes um but because if, because of all the humps and hollows if you get the right bounce on your tee shot or on your approach in like i went driver three wood and just came up just short and had, had the little chip in but xavier was like just go driver off the deck because you're gonna have to, you're gonna hit it low and then if you get the right bounce it's just gonna excuse me it's just gonna springboard forward and just go for miles for you 
which is yeah, exactly yeah. what he did. And he went driver off the deck and hit it into the face of one of the mounds and the golf, golf ball didn't really quite get there. So it's a high risk strategy, but um, it was, it's a great hole. It's just, it's just so much fun. The fifth hole is, is brilliant. And I'd say like talking about Xavier there, like he's a brilliant host uh, and everyone in the club was really, really friendly. We came in afterwards and it's the kind of club where they were all genuinely, all the members were like, what'd you make of this hole? What'd you make of that hole? Did you enjoy it? And they really cared about you having fun and enjoying it. Um, and they were happy to have us visit and they were like, listen, come on down again. We'd love to have you. And it's the kind of course where like Strand Hills, I've, I've described it like this type of a golf course a few times in the podcast now. It's right next to County Sligo or like Ross's Point, right? Ross's Point is a very, very well-known golf club in Ireland. It's got a lot of history. So because of that, Strand Hills kind of just like lives in the shadow of that a little bit and probably doesn't get the recognition that, that Strand Hill deserves. It's similar to, I spoke about this before, like Castle Rock, and the fact that it's literally across the bay from Port Stewart and Port Rush. Castle Rock doesn't necessarily get the same kind of coverage that it, it should, that it deserves. And Strand Hill for me is the exact same. It, it kind of fits into that into that bracket. But like I posted, that, I posted those photos onto socials and the amount of people that got in touch with me and sent me a, sent me a message being like that course looks incredible um it, it's absolutely must play yeah just like and like the the, the things the the videos you sent me and the photos you sent me i was just like so jealous you were up there as i was stuck in work like it was it looked like one of those ones as you said an absolute must play um, and definitely something i can't wait to get up and uh, have a shot at it yeah, I know we're talking about this just for a while here now, but like my my like it's just it was such a fun fun round. It's probably one of my favorite rounds of golf of the year. I, I and we've played a lot of golf this year. We've been very lucky. Like it's it was it's nearly up there with the hinge for how much fun I had on the golf course today. Yeah, I, I also don't think you can like the fact that you said like everyone was there was really nice and they wanted to chat about it and there was a great atmosphere in the clubhouse and it's the average brilliant host and it was just fun is like you can't knock that because it's really important when you go into a golf club is that you get to have those chats and they're as you said they were saying what you do on the fifth or what do you think of the fourth did you get stuck in that bunker and like that's that's what it's all about yeah yeah so my favorite home the course is the six hole par four is 406 yards uh, it's called Into the West. It's a slight dog leg to the right. You got to hit a good driver. It's off one of the new tee boxes now as well, which is just like, it's right in front of the 18th green, just in front of the clubhouse. It's lovely, lovely setting. Um, and on your approach shot, you've got the like the approaches into the green complex, which looks like an affinity green. So again, there's, there's a photo here in the running order. We'll post it into our socials. And the green just looks like an infinity green. It looks like it just goes green. Off into the ocean. Yeah. yeah. It looks so cool. Actually, it looks like it, the whole thing backdrops off into the ocean. Yeah. It's, um, oh, it's brilliant. And you can see there's a bunker there just in front of it. And uh, one of the members did ask, Oh, did you go into the bunker in six? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. I absolutely did. Um, it was didn't just, answer, didn't answer when they asked, Did you get out of the bunker on six? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did, though. I did, though. I was delighted. <laughs> uh, like, I, yeah, it wasn't the best bunker shot I've ever hit wasn't the worst but um this course for me was just like we absolutely we have to come back it, that's just an absolute given um green fees yeah. in the winter are like they're 40 quid right to play in the winter the course is now playing off of mats but again like the green keepers and stuff like just to show how hospitable they were the green keepers were like now nah, you lads are grand you guys can play off the grass if you want like we know you're taking photos we know you're filming we want you to get the full experience here it's grand don't worry about playing off mats you're you're good i was like geez i was like that's like no one nowhere does that that was incredibly good of them i i also think that i always say this if you play a course and like as you're playing you're going i need to get the lads up here oh i need to i want to like show the lads where to hit this or i want to see i want to say like you were like you were like you were like saying to me it was like you were you had shots you're like i'd love to think what michael think when he's hitting this shot i think that's always the, like same thing in the hinge is when anyone asks me about lynch i'm like it's straight on ago i'd love to play it again but watch them react to the dell yeah. so i think that's always a really good sign and that's what you're saying to me is like you were dying to have a group of lads up to play it and watch everyone play the the quirky shots yeah um so like i said it's 40 year old during the winter but just to show how much of like one big measure for me of like what a hidden gem is is value for money so like does the the, the green fee at yeah, the height of summer reflect the the value that you get from it and it's 50 quid for golf ireland uh, members for, that's the golf ireland rate 50 quid during the summer incredible. it's incredible and like you could easily charge multiples of that and people will go 
right that that's a good that, that's a good valuation for that for that golf course it's great fun like the condition of it in for december was was stunning it was really really good really really impressive and i know we're hopping on about this but it's just absolutely must must visit we'll have a video coming out in the next few weeks oh, i nine hole sorry you say it's up there with in your on your your courses you played in ireland is it up in your in your top list it's definitely the top five of the courses i've played this year put it that way for fun wise though as you know, just I... for everything like the court the course the design of it is incredibly well thought out like it's obviously it's, it's an original eddie hackett golf course the members have kind of tweaked little bits of it here and there um and they and and xavier and, and some people would say that you know the members throughout the years like we're like you know past presidents or captains who at the time were like oh, i hate that bunker we'll, we'll get rid of that bunker or whatever it is um so ali mcintosh had like a big remit for what he was doing is to try and restore some of the eddie hackett pieces um the 13th hole actually i did, hadn't even thought about this 13th hole is still an original eddie hackett hole hasn't been touched and it's the only blind shot like fully 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 blind shot um par four into like the narrowest of greens it's like there's like a little gateway before the green that you have to hit it over um it's just a brilliant short dog dog leg right par four it's a great hole um that we filmed that as part of the video um so the, like i said the video is gonna be coming out in the next few weeks i played a nine hole match against xavier um but instead of me getting shots we actually put a little twist on it and we did reverse mulligans so okay. if he made a big putt or stitched a shot really close to the pin i had three reverse mulligans so he had to retake that shot so so that was very very fun and there again like throughout the nine holes there were points where he hit an unbelievable shot and i was like that was great but i'm gonna have to make you do it again if that's all right <laughs> and he was just like this is a horrendous game he hated it but it was um it was so much fun it was so 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 much fun and um yeah i have to say anyone if you look if you're out that way or looking for a golf trip um strand hill is, is absolutely on your list it was one of my favorite golf courses golf rounds of the year no doubt Let's go back to, to a bit of professional golf real, really quickly. PNC Championship uh, is just completed now. Bernard Langer and his son Jason took home the win. They shot 25 under par, won 200 grand for their uh, for their winning, which is uh, not, not bad. Take that. Um, Tiger Woods finished in a tied for fifth place, himself and Charlie Woods. But um, yeah, himself, Tiger, Charlie, Annika, and, and Annika's son were really kind of the... Uh, the ones that kind of stole all the headlines. I thought Jason Day, uh, I thought John Daly and, and John Daly Jr. were going to make some headlines. They always kind of come out with some outrageous, <laughs> outrageous outfits or or posts. But um, Charlie Woods now just seems to be a bit of a menace. He's like driving 325 yard par fours. Um, the man, the man's insane. It's it's the, ma- the, the man, the kid, he's man. 14. But like, he's just... He walks, he scratches his head, he puts like him, he like he ruffles his hair. Like, like he's just it's it's so funny. He's a little carbon copy of him. Mm-hmm. Even his swing is so so similar. Um and even his interviews, like I think I saw one of the interviews, it was like, How do you feel about today? He's like, Oh, we suck at pudding. Yeah. So I just goes, uh, yeah, he's right. <laughs> like it was just that sums it up right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like like it, it's 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 probably immoral for us to to talk about what possibly could happen with charlie because he's a 14 it's it's not right we're gonna do i'm gonna do it anyway but it's not my i'm not feeling good about it it's morally it's immoral but like i think it would be so cool if he does end up turning pro and does start getting into it and like we can't compare him to tigers tigers are freaking he'll only ever touch what tiger does again but it's just he seems to have the same sort of bug that tiger has the same sort of competing that he had um and it's just i think it's just so cool um especially like i've got a son it's just cool to, to the idea of playing your son and him smashing you know being in, in competition is pretty cool so i love i love the whole thing i love the whole thing i'm obviously a massive tiger fan and i'll be a charlie fan i'll be that weird 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 old dude who's saying go on charlie um <laughs> as, as, I'm, as i'm watching the tv yeah, fair enough. Um, I agree. I think I think it was great to watch him, and it was like just what he was doing was brilliant. I feel less weird about like the coverage of him and all the stuff now that he's a little bit older. I remember like the first two years, 
you know, when he was like 12, and I was like, this kid's going to be unbelievable. I was like, yeah, he's like 12, like, leave him off. But he looks bigger and he looks look more grown, essentially now, you know, it's it feels a lot less weird. But I guess that's probably also because we're just more comfortable with seeing him now. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it, and it's it's a it's a cool tournament as well. Like I think that like the Langer's twenty five under is pretty outrageous. Like you know, yeah. uh, Charlie was playing off tees further back than Bernard Langer for this tournament. Yeah. Also, how they make how they make it a level playing field. I don't know. I'd love to talk with the handicap slash distance slash tee committee and how they decide all that. Like as well, it's an interesting. It's, it's an interesting one how they try level the playing field. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. It's no clue how they do it. But I just thought that was weird that he was playing, Charlie was playing off tees further back than uh, than Bernard Langer. I think if you then go on and you win the tournament, you're just like, okay, we need to probably readjust what's going on here because... Are you claiming Bernard Langer sandbagged the, the <laughs> tournament and got his way to win? He's, to like, win. he's like that lad in the club who gets his handicap nice and high just before the captain's prize. Look, you know, I didn't, I didn't say those words. You, you, you <laughs> said that, but I'm not going to disagree with you. Because, <laughs> like, he plays off of further back tees on the Champions Tour, right? So there's an asterisk beside his name, and that win is what we're saying. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it just, it's just for me, it seems kind of weird that he plays off of you know, yeah, that is back tees for the Champions Tour, but he was playing further forward for this one. Like that's, you that know, is, yeah, I agree. Think make of that what you will. Um, speaking of winners on, on professional tour winners, Liv have kind of continued their dominance of the DP World Tour as Louis Lusazen has now gone back to back, um, winning the end of the year Afrasia Bank Mauritius Open uh, in uh, in Mauritius, uh, a golf course around the, just down the road from where I I honeymooned uh, last year, which uh, I didn't get to play it, but yeah, it looked like a nice course, it looked like a nice course, but yeah, Louis Lusazen is now uh, the fifth live winner in the last six dp world tour events which um as a headline is kind of concerning it, it is and i was thinking about i was thinking it's like i was okay geez that's six or five what does that mean but like how many of these lads would have been playing in these dp world tour events anyway like you know would they have been playing are they only playing in them now because it's wgr points and you know they they rank up and they want to play as many dp world tour events as possible they can get into so like the fact they were they've gone to live means they were some of the better golfers anyway because they weren't taking yeah. in weren't very good so they should be winning them but on a normal normal schedule he wouldn't he wouldn't have been playing the in Mauritius he would because he wouldn't play the other stuff and it wouldn't have been in his schedule so you know I think no I think it, I think I I think as you said the headline five of the last deep winners are live players yeah like it's it's a big statement and it's uh, from a headline it, it 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 sends a lot of other questions at it but i think in the in the context of it i think it's more about why are these live guys playing the dp world tour events as to me yeah. more than winning them so why is because there's no jury to your points and they want to keep their ranking high and they want to see they get into majors because live does not have those points more so than they're playing in them and they're beating other DP World Tour players. Yeah, I think for um, like for like Dean Burmester and guys like that, like who won in South Africa, they make he makes the point as do a lot of the South African players. They make the point of coming back to South Africa to play, to play in those events, yeah. but like playing in the Mauritius Open, like you're doing that purely for OWGR points. Like, let's not let's not like beat around the bush here. That's purely why you're doing it. Also, like the fields aren't massively strong. Like the the. This events in South Africa are co-sanctioned Sunshine Tour events. Obviously, Sunshine Tour is a feeder tour for the European Tour or TP World Tour. So, like, it's not the strongest of strong fields by any stretch of the imagination. And the Mauritius Open, like, yeah, Rory probably should have been playing in that if, if you want him to become the Open champion and win every single <laughs> Open that there is on the calendar. But, like, when it comes to, like, highest-ranked players, like, John Catlin was probably one of the highest highest ranked players alongside like Matthew Bavon, Marcel Seam, Dan Brown, friend of the podcast. But like none of the big none of the big guys, no anyway, big names no. were playing in that tournament. And, and and not even not even the 
the bigger guys from the DP World Tour that we that you know John John Cannon's a he was one of the Irish Open. I'm saying that, but I mean like, but John Cannon's come off a really really bad year. Like yeah, he's, he's all, a, he, like, he had to go through DP World Tour Q School again this year just to re- retain his card. So he's playing in these events because he's trying to find something. Exactly, and like and so that's what. Uh, so I just think that like. It depends also also I think it depends it's on who's tweeting the information is it a live supporter tweeter is it an anti PGA you know that when they put them up there they look at golf Twitter and it's nearly like you need to go into their profile and do a dive to go what side are you on as yeah. opposed to just giving the information out you know um so Listen, it's it's interesting to see that what's going to happen with the DP World Tour with regard to the and the PG Tour and the PIF and how when they all connect and with live because it as you've said before this could be a great thing for the DP World Tour if you start getting bigger players coming in to get WDO points and they start playing more DP World Tour events those tournaments get bigger you know it could be great for it but it's just kind of wait and see um but the idea that live have all the best golfers in the world and the golfers are all better now that they're on live and all they have to do is just turn up to any event and they smash a field i'm not buying that i'm i'm not i'm I'm not i'm not i don't think that's exactly what's happening there's a lot of context to it but having said that as you said to me still very hard to win you know any win anywhere is still is still difficult and you kind of have to give credit when someone gets over the line and picks up a trophy um so you know there is that side to it as well yeah like at the end of the day a win's a win and he's won them back to back and the same way dean burmester won two events back to back in south africa play like it's actually do you know what great four weeks for stinger and gc my boys your lads yeah, my, need, my boys you need to get you a springbox jersey and get you a saffa i wouldn't go that far now i mean <laughs> when it comes to rugby now that's very that's that's very different i'm definitely not a south african fan when it comes to rugby but bigger <laughs> golf club yeah all, all over it for this year anyway <laughs> are you not a fan of faf de clerk no <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not not don't get me started jesus no uh, also you sent me a picture of the uh we've had this before and we probably should have do you know what we should have done on the poll now i'm saying this as a as an idea at the end of the podcast when i should have oh God, okay for the best or worst looking trophy this year and um, because you sent me the picture of the trophy that uh, that that he stays in one it's yeah it's horrendous looking mad looking thing i don't even know where he could put it well, he's not going to get it fitted in a suitcase on the way home anyway. Look, it's like half the size of him. It's like that trophy. So for anyone that can't see it, it's a, like the base of it is a massive wooden block. And then it's like what? A one two foot golf tee. Yeah. And on top of that are like what look like wings, but it's actually the silhouette of a golfer hitting a golf ball. But two of them. So they do look like wings. Yeah, or antlers on something or as well. Something, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The trophy's like five foot tall. It's massive. Like, yeah. and also, it just looks so stupid. We might have to do that next year. Is the best looking that's not a major, you know? Best looking trophy. Best trophy, worst trophy. Yeah. Okay. We might have to add that in. We'll add that yeah. in for next year. Yeah. That's for 2024. Like, man, like, I'm just, it's such so sort of Like, you go and you win a tournament, and like, I'm not sure the lads would have looked at what the trophy looks like before they play because, you know, it, it's not, well, obviously they know the Claret Joe or whatever, but the normal, say, PG event, and then they win it and they go, oh God, what's the trophy look like? And they get handed this piece of crap. And they're like, yeah. there are some brutal, some brutal trophies when it comes to golf. Like, during the pandemic, I don't know what happened. But the DP World Tour obviously just didn't have the money for for trophies for some reason or whatever, and everyone got like these silver plates, and they just looked shite. They just looked so bad. But then also like some trophies are just horrendous, like the uh, the Omega Classic, the trophy in Switzerland in, on the DP World Tour. The trophy is a cowbell. It's just a massive Swiss cowbell. Like, like what, yeah. what do you what do you do with that? And then also on the PGA Tour, there's like um i can't remember what's the name of it oh my god the trophy the, the trophy is a big chicken oh yeah Anderson farms the trophy yeah. is the chicken and also you've got so much scope to make a really cool trophy and like intertwine it with whatever sponsor or whatever place you're playing in like you make it really cool like you could you know uh, even like like even the, the irish open trophy why isn't it like a big like Celtic cross and has like yeah things on it you know and yeah something really or if 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 we're, you're playing this you know 
there's loads of scope to make something really cool. And I'm sure there's artists are begging to do things like that. And uh, anyway, yeah, that trophy is no offense, he says to me, your trophy sucks. <laughs> yeah, congrats on the win, but that terrible trophy. Let them let them keep it in Mauritius. <laughs> it's, it's not great. It's not great. Donated, donated back to the clubhouse there. They say they can leave it there for you. Yeah. Uh we're gonna finish it off with this. Um so the ladies european tour q school final stage is on in morocco uh lauren walsh and olivia mahafia are in action uh lauren is currently pretty well placed she's tied for 28 at three under in total it was two over for her for her third round she's through nine holes she looks pretty safe to make the round four cut basically top 65 plus ties make it through to uh I think either earn your card or make it through to like the last two rounds. Olivia Mahaffey is in and around the cut line. Um, so hopefully today she makes a bit of a move. She is currently tied for 73rd or so. Right here. She's actually currently tied for so Olivia Mahaffey is currently tied for 74th at two over par. She is even for the day. So it looks like she's gonna have to get to like an even par number if she wants to uh if she wants to get her uh, her tour card for the 2024 season so um yeah there's some good luck for the, to those guys uh over the next few days we have a video coming out tomorrow so wednesday so i went along to the jameson golf links at port marnock resort and i played a couple of holes with paul mccanny the director of golf there to talk about the the new rerouting and the new design of certain holes as well as the new name so the jameson golf links what used to be the Portmark golf links um kind of all goes back to the original history of the jameson family buying the land and Portmark being like considered the countryside way back in the day um it started out as a nine hole golf course now became 18 holes uh this is a nice little piece about just the history of the land the history of the club history of the course as well as what's been done to the holes and just the the new redesigns it's a it's a lovely course and if you're looking for a little bit of links golf in and around dublin the uh jameson golf links is a another golf course worth worth visiting for sure did you have any little snipes of jameson now on your way around and that was a work day couldn't be doing that couldn't couldn't be doing that but if jameson want to send us out a bottle of whiskey we, we would not say no it's christmas after all it is right guys um we're gonna have a podcast with mossy landman coming up in the next couple of weeks as well as an interview with simon thornton so this is from us is probably it for for this side of the year um so thank you guys very much for listening uh, and watching throughout, throughout the year. It's been it's been a good year for us. We've done a lot, obviously, from Women's Irish Open being the kind of the big highlight for us, Tea Time, Season 3 down in Clare. Um, it's been a good year. So let's hope for 2024 is going to be a bigger one and better again. We've got lots of big plans, so it's time for it. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.